now that I got Tara off my singing monsters, I guess we can begin it's the episode. It's so fun. Sponsor us. <laughs> if you don't know what my singing monsters are, figure it out. And by that I mean just like Google put it on it? Google it. No, no, no. Go to like the Play Store on your phone or whatever it's called on an iPhone because I'm not cool enough for that. And just download my singing monsters. It's free and it's fun. And you have singing monsters, and they're so cute. Tara's an influencer now. That's me. I even made a TikTok video. She sure did. <laughs> the whole TikTok was like, how does this work? How does it work? What is the sense of it? <laughs> it's like this, Santa, you must light it. Do you know what that's from? No. It's from Santa Claus versus the Devil. Fuck that. Here we are, ladies and gentlemen, and everyone in between. We are... A week from Christmas. Yes. Now that Tara got her plug out of the way, listen to mine. There is this movie called Santa Claus vs. the Devil. Ridiculous. It, it is a Mexican film, I believe. It's and the it most is... racist piece of shit ever. Excuse me. Let me get the good stuff out of the way first. It is very creepy. Yes, that's a good thing. First 10 minutes are incredibly racist. Yes. It was made in like the 1950s or something. 50s, 60s. I don't know. My friend Marissa, she... Well, okay. Let's let's go back in time for a little bit. When I was in college, I was part of the satire magazine there called The Maelstrom. My friend Marissa, she was like the editor and stuff. And there was one year where she had all of us Maelstromites over at her house. And she gave us all a copy of Santa Claus vs. the Devil. And now it's something that I can quote very easily all the time. So if there's one classic movie that you have not tried this year, I don't know what the, I'm trying to say. If there's one Christmas movie that you're like, hmm, I need to watch something new, Santa Claus vs. the Devil. I used to have Santa Claus vs. the Martians too, but that got lost in one of my moves. It's definitely um, something. It's festive and terrifying. There is a Santa Claus. There's Santa Claus and the and Devil. Santa Claus lives in space. Mm-hmm. He spies on all the children with very creepy equipment. It's creepy. Then his reindeer are wind-up toy reindeer. They're not real reindeer. And then Satan... I'm sorry. It, it's not Satan. Satan is like, apparently, according to this movie, Satan is like the lead devil. This is Pitch. His name is Pitch. And uh, he, he tries to stop Santa Claus. You're going to have to watch to figure out what happens. Let us know how that goes. By the way... This episode's going to be released in, like, January something. Yes, but also, we're basic snitches. Hi! This is a (laughs) podcast about Harry Potter. Yeah, not not Santa Claus. Not singing animals. Monsters. Not singing monsters. Not creepy Mexican films. Harry Potter. I don't know if you've heard of him. And today we are reading nothing, because I always say that. (laughs) Today we're discussing. Discussing chapter 17. 17. The Four Champions. The Four Champions. But first. Winner, loser. But first. You don't want to go head first? You want to go butt first? But first. The winner's Polyakov. Polyakov? Polyakov? I don't know how you pronounce this. I think it's Polyakov. Polyakov? That's that's my guess. So, honestly, I had to work really hard to figure out who the fuck won and lost chapter 16, which is weird because it's the title chapter of the book. And then you figured out that it's Polyakov. So it, it, it could have it could have been him. And Ludo Bagman. Both of them are in this chapter. It's perfect. Okay, so listen. Let me answer this. <laughs> this is why I'm giving these... First, I'm going to go with the loser. The loser is a little easier, but still. The lose- losers are Fred and George and everyone who tried to do some kind of oh, aging thing. Oh, and those thing other bitches that are in the... To trick the goblet of fire, the age line. And then the winner of the chapter, Polyakov is a good choice. I'm going to give the win to Hagrid because he's trying real hard. He's like getting himself ready 
to be seen by Madame Maxime and just like to be out there. Like, I just really love his effort to be like sexy. dressing up in his suit. And he's fucking Hagrid. He's so great. His effort to be sexy. Yes. In the chapter. I, I mean, good for it. Also, just like we get to spend some time with Hagrid, which just makes me happy. Yeah, Kalaikoff was just being himself. Justice for Kalaikoff. Really? This poor guy. That's fine. Hagrid's nice. And Again, you don't have to agree with my winner loser. It's not a debate. I truly thought it was going to be Polyakov just because we were so passionate about him. I am very time. passionate about him, but he didn't win the chapter. I mean, some people, all they got to do is be themselves. They get a win. Quen Pomfrey, Quen Sprout, this Quen Polyakov. <laughs> Quen Polyakov. All he had to do was be himself, and he elevated himself to Quen status. He was so. wonderful. By the way, Adam called me a Quen earlier, too, so. Oh, yeah, because she brought two bottles of wine over. So I'm pretty great, too. Yes. But I stand behind my decision, I think. You don't have to talk about it, but I trust you. It's good. I like it. But you were wanting to debate me. It's because Polyakov. Polyakov is like our golden child. He is. But I'm also a golden child and I will never fucking win a chapter because I'm just me. You're a golden shower. (laughs) Absolutely not. (laughs) Who's reading the thing this time? (laughs) You're reading the thing that I wrote. Chapter 17, The Four Champions. Everyone in the Great Hall is staring at Harry and he awkwardly goes to the chamber where the other three champions are waiting. Before any of the children can get any kind of clarity, Ludo Bagman bounces in and excitedly tells them that all that Harry has been named the fourth champion. Bagman's upbeat tone is immediately drowned out by the arrival of the heads of each school. Crouch, McGut, and for whatever fucking reason, Snape. The confusion causes some understandable upset while Dumbledore very calmly asks Harry if he put his name in the Flamer Cup. Rewind! Let's repeat that. Dumble asks Harry if he put his name in the cup calmly. Calmly. That's literally how it's written. I'm not doing that for effect. <laughs> so that's how Tara wrote it. Actual quote from the actual book. Did you put your name in the Goblet of Fire, Harry? He asked calmly. Doesn't the word calmly look funny now? Anyway, more implied nonviolent interrogation from Dumbledore reveals that Harry did not ask anyone else to put his name in. It also gives everyone in the room more opportunity to throw out their own uninvited commentary. While Karkaroff and Maxime and their champions are understandably angry, the rest of the adults in the room try to make some sense of the situation. Well, Dumbledore, McGuh, Mr. Crouch, and Ludo Bagman do. Snape just continues to bitch about Harry and add nothing helpful to the conversation because he's Snape and why the fuck is he even here? Then, Moody comes in, says some ominous shit, rains a bit on Bagman's parade, makes it very clear that he fucking hates Karkaroff, then steps back to let Dumble and the others continue their conversation. Ludo and Dumble suggest drinks. Crouch says no, because he lame F. Maxime, Fleur, Karkaroff, and Crumb leave the room because this tournament already looks like bullshit to them. Harry and Cedric leave together, and Cedric asks Harry, probably calmly, how he put his name in the Famer Cup. He repeats that he didn't, but it's clear that Cedric, like everyone else except McGup, Moody, and maybe Dumbledore? That's okay, though, because Ron and Hermione will believe him, right? Um, no. Sort of. Yes. Half yes. Don't... I'm making fun of you. Hermione is not... uh, She's freaking out over here. Because I wrote this... Hermione is not around when he gets back to the common room, and Ron... Well, Ron does not believe Harry. Actually, he's pissed and pretty unkind about the whole thing. So all in all, not the Halloween that Harry had expected this year. Or last year. Or the year before that. Or the year before that. I'm just saying, you know... 
Harry was expecting to hear a champion named, be like, cool, let's do this. Lit. I can just, like, lay back. And then they, like, Harry Potter, and he's like, God fucking damn it. Like I said in the last episode, why couldn't it have been Angelina Johnson? Again, if it weren't going to be Cedric, it should definitely have been Angelina yes. Johnson. Or, like, what if the Flamer Cup spit out two names at the same time, and it was Cedric and Angelina Johnson. And they run up, and they, like, high-five and shit, and they're like, we got this. And then everyone's even more pissed, because Hogwarts still has two champions. And Dumble's in the back, like, smoking some weed, being like, eh? I don't know what happened. And he's waving his little go Angelina Listen, at the end of the day, and all the spoilers into the book, no one else had the fucking brains that Moody had. Like, Karkaroff, why didn't you, like, go in there and submit another one of your students under a different name? Then you could have two champions. You mean Barty Crouch Jr. Yes. Barty Crouch Jr. slash Moody. But yes, that one. So the first thing that happens in this chapter, the aftermath of Harry's name being called, mm-hmm. and it is this extremely uncomfortable, it's so anxious uncomfortable. feeling. Can you recall anything that has the same feeling of like time stops and like everybody's looking at you? He mentions like there's buzzing and the buzzing gets <clears> louder <throat> and louder. So I tried to think about like what could be a comparable event that would be similar to this. And the only thing that I could think of would be, because obviously I don't know if this actually happens at a wedding when they're like, Speak now or forever hold your peace. And, you know, it's happened, obviously, in movies. And someone goes, stop the wedding and shit like that. That's the only kind of thing that I could even maybe compare it to. But, yeah, this has to be so completely crazy. It is unbelievably tense. Yeah. Uh, In front of the entire school, this entire group of people are already sick of Harry's shit from the last few years. Harry's the star of the school. Oh, we get a Harry free year. No, it's even hairier this time. (laughs) The one moment that I can recall that is somewhat similar, my freshman year in college, my parents were very cheap, so they got me this Victorian age white microwave that didn't have a turntable on the inside, but if it did, it had a hand crank on the side. That's just a joke. It was just an old fucking microwave with no turntable. And my roommate had moved out at that point because, hey, guess what? Shocker, we didn't get along. I don't cohabitate well with people. Can confirm. And one night, I was like, I'm going to make some popcorn. And then I went down to the vending machine to get a drink. And literally, put the popcorn in, boop, beep, bop, boop, two minutes or whatever, walked down the hallway Walked back, halfway back, I hear this beeping sound. I opened my door to see my room filled with smoke. I opened the windows. I tried to, like, get this smoke the fuck out of my room. And the way that it worked in my residence hall is that, like, individual rooms, smoke alarms went off, and the entire building did. And it was also, like, 11.45 at night in the snow. So the whole building evacuates. We had to go across the street. There were some people in towels and stuff from their shower. And the fucking hall director, who knew me, because I was, like, on hall council and stuff. And after this year, I lived in this hall one other year, and there was an RA in this hall for two other years, is, like, everybody can thank Adam for this. And I'm like, wow, cool. That was really, really nice and very, very necessary, you bitch. So rude. Even for years to come, students who are my residents and younger than me would like make fun of me for this. And I'm like, you weren't even there. Of course, that was one of those moments where the entire hall is like looking at you and it's like, excuse me. That was more so more my reaction. Like what if Harry was just like, excuse me, bitch. Right. No, that's not my name. You know, that's what Angelina would have done. 
if Angelina's name was called forth and she didn't put it in. But unfortunately, these book series aren't about Angelina, so. Someone let us know where we can find good fan fiction about Angelina Johnson. Thank you. Yeah, Angelina Johnson and the Goblet of Fire. That's that's. Um, I would read that. So, so that's the only thing I can think of, but it's very, very, very it's, I mean, uncomfortable. The idea of something that you're just not expecting to hear, and especially in the aftermath of like, okay, we did the things, cool, awesome. I'm sorry, what? Yeah. And then, like, everybody's reactions, too. Later, we hear about Hermione's reaction, of course. People just, like, staring at him, like, in disbelief. Like, McGut and everything. And then when they go behind the scenes and he walks in, it's the other three champions. And Fleur is like, oh, do they need me to, us to come back out? Yes, Fleur, they brought the savior in to let you know that you guys have to come back into the Great Hall after coming literally right in here for no reason. Yeah. During this whole chapter, just, I'm going to get it out right now. I think Fleur is a little bit bitchy. Fleur is bitchy. And this whole book, the author does Fleur pretty dirty. It's very unfortunate. Yeah. Fleur is the only female champion. Fleur is definitely very early on made to look like the weakest she's weak like mm -hmm. she's a bitch you know it's very frustrating even though she still continues to look like she's weak she does become much nicer to harry she, uh -huh. i mean she's very likable and obviously we get to know her later on in the series but this chapter i think does her so dirty mm -hmm. that it's hard to come back from it i think so too it's, uh -huh. it's like almost a first impression because we get to see more of victor and cedric before this moment well, and Cedric is delightful, but it plays up the hysterical angle of a woman being the one who's like, and I don't, I don't really want to make a bunch of this about gender because it's not productive in my opinion, but I understand the frustration and the upset around it because it does play up this woman to be the one who's pissy about it. And then Victor Crumb, who clearly is not a person that speaks very much. He just sulks. Cedric is like ever the gentleman. I understand the upset with the way that this revolves around Fleur and makes her look like an asshole because it does. Fleur is actually awesome. Yeah, I agree. We've already set up the jokes here of like Hermione not liking the French, but even the way that we've already talked about this in our past few episodes, Durmstrang is portrayed in such a different way mm -hmm. than Bobaton too. And so there is something just very early on portrayed differently about Fleur and perhaps even Madame Maxine. Cause like at this point you're already getting a little bit of clues here and there about like, okay, Igor Karkaroff isn't the best guy either. I don't know, I kind of don't see that in this play they set Igor and Madame Maxime up kind of in the same level. They both have every reason to be all like oh, annoyed. Well, now that is true, but then like when Moody comes oh, in. Oh, but then yeah, Moody comes in. But mostly I'm just like, oh, fucking Moody. Obviously, yeah. I know the story, you know the story, but the first time you read it, I don't know. I personally feel like Moody just seems like Moody. I mean, that's the beautiful thing about this podcast. One of the beautiful things about this podcast. All the things about this podcast are beautiful. That's right. Especially its host. One of the great things about this podcast is that we do get to go back and we get to see like hints of this and that and how they lead into the reality of what goes on. I almost wonder too, as we know, the author is a little bit twisted. I wonder if because Madame Maxime is portrayed as such a strong bitch, they make Fleur speak up as like, oh, it's the girl speaking up. Obviously, Igor speaks for Victor. Like, Victor doesn't really do anything. Yeah. At the same time, there is this like kind of juxtaposition between Hermione and Fleur. Hermione is constantly made fun of to be like the nerdy one. There are some of her features that are highlighted, perhaps 
perhaps in the next chapter that could make her seem a little bit poindexter-y. We all know who Hermione is, what a badass bitch she is. Then there's this whole thing between her and Fleur and we made it out to be like, it's the French. Is it because Fleur is beautiful? Is it because she's part Vila? Like there's so many little things in there right. well, and I th- that I, set that up. I agree with that because I think the problem is that Fleur possibly represents a lot of what, and I'm not giving the author credit for this. I think it's a natural thing that can happen by making a character so basic. Fleur isn't very dimensional in this book. And the purpose of using a character who's just, oh, she's a pretty dumb blonde girl. It's like that kind of stereotype, I guess. It's kind of built here. Obviously, it's a different type of way because that's a very American thing. And this is clearly not American. Fleur being all of these expected hysterical girl things. She's a pretty girl. She's assumed to be the weakest. She's not given the credit she deserves. She was the one the goblet chose. Yeah. Now in the movie obviously makes it look like it's an all girl school. That means that Fleur, out of all of, I think it's they bring a dozen students, she beat out six boys mm-hmm. and five other girls from her school. Bobaton is clearly a very structured and well-run school, you know she's got to be smart. It's great because further on in the series, she does get credit for that, but it's frustrating. There's not enough room to explore or discuss Fleur in this story in the way that we would like as people who want to really delve into these characters. Well, and luckily too, I suppose we get Cedric and Victor early, but like you said, there's so much more to Fleur that we learn about past this book. Which is not how it is with the other two. Yes. One, because one of them dies. The other one is just not as relevant to the plot while we do see him again. Yeah. The next note that I had is despite the age thing and the stakes of just like the entire competition and everything, it's a tri-wizard tournament. I always felt like, okay, like the cup should be, I always use the word programmed for this stuff. If they enchanted this cup to choose three champions like wouldn't they also be like what the fuck why is there a fourth anyways that could be enough to be like harry obviously didn't put his name in here but then they get to it later when moody comes in probably in the past that's never been a thing that's happened so try was a tournament has been these three schools and whoever designed the, the flamer cup it's been designed to pull one student from each school because maybe the plan is that it pulls the three best students. What if the three best students are all from Durmstrang? Well, it can't do that because it needs to be from each school. So however this person designed it, they maybe didn't design it with it in mind that anyone would ever come in and make up a fucking fake school, school to put in another person. I have no idea. Yeah, obviously. I'm not a coder or anything like that, but let's say that the code of the Goblet of Fire if it operated that way, were to say, okay, once we reach three, then the script ends. Whatever it is, and magic works differently clearly, but oh, there's another option added in there. Because like what Moody says, and of course this is later in the chapter, but he says something along the lines of, whoever put it in probably put them in under a fourth school. And so automatically, based on statistics and everything, 100%, it went to Harry. I feel like if I were Madame Maxime or Igor, I would be like, what the fuck? Like, how why, why is that, how is it possible that a fourth? That automatically makes me think, okay, clearly Harry did not do it, if that's how. Right, that's Moody's line of thinking and his clearance of Harry doing it. 
and his whole thing where he's like, well, obviously someone's trying to kill Harry. He's not interested in putting the blame on Harry. In fact, no one's interested in putting the blame on Harry who is not from the other schools or Snape because he's the fucking worst. Uh. But but my my other thought that this just came into my head, it's called the Goblet of Fire. It's not called the Triwizard Goblet of Fire. What if this is a goblet that is used for other similar tournaments? What if, say, there is a wizarding school in Russia and a wizarding school in India and a wizarding school in Japan and a wizarding school somewhere so, else? I see what she's saying. And the, so, like, four schools use it for that. For, like, or you in, know. an infinite amount. That's Right. Okay, that's kind of fun. Who knows? Because we're not programmers, and, and that just that's why they store it in a coffin because it's easier to transport than in right. a fucking crocombouche the... motherfucking beautiful golden sculpture. Right. Oh yeah. I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I'm really, I'm really that, glad we had this conversation though. Hold on though. Let's talk about how, yes, they decided to put budget into making this thing that houses the Goblet of Fire look beautiful. Let's rewind to chapter one where those fucking topiaries looked like they were like claymation or something. <laughs> uh, once again, movie, what the hell? Oh. Uh, oh, and wait till you get to the movie. Wait till you get to the movie. This is going to be a good one. Oh, yeah. We've been waiting for this. Y'all know what we're talking about. <laughs> oh, yeah. The reason why I put it in my thing, I think that it's really interesting how the shift through this whole scene, it starts in this place with Harry and it's confusing for him and it's a different kind of confusing for the kids. And then Ludo Bagman comes in and he is like so much sunshine and like gumballs and fun or whatever. And that's just murdered in a second and everyone is pissy and angry and confused and it just launches into this whole big thing but it's just a really interesting trajectory from where Harry starts at the beginning of the chapter in this fuzzy place and there's this awkward moment of like brightness and fun and excitement. I feel like Ludo Bagman is like this is fucking great. I love drama. I love fun things. There's gonna be all this cool stuff happening. Like I just feel like in his brain he's having a little party. I'm glad you brought this up because this is where I'm like there's something weird because of that juxtaposition. Where Matt Maxime and Igor is that's where everyone should be everyone should be in a state of confusion there should be a little bit of like hey this isn't fair but then you look at these two motherfuckers over here and I don't like how you compared him to gumballs we he's got, just like we got cotton what? candy bagman over here and then fucking slit my wrist crouch the it's juxtaposition even between them it's like okay First of all, this one guy is fucking spiraling and the other one is springing up and down. They like. are so different. To me, it's so crazy that it really, at the end of the day, still comes down to Dumbledore and McGonagall being the ones that are like, let's make sense of this. Yeah. And Barty Crouch is like, rules. And Bagman's like, whatever, I love everything. Let's not get away from the fact that like Crouch and Bagman are just so out of place here. The fact that there's a dissonance between them and like how they That's are. That's concerning. <laughs> Bagman obviously doesn't even care about the rules. It's like, oh my God, there's fourth person here. How exciting. Then Barty is like, not only is he rules, he doesn't even like take the moment to go, this is a fucking 14 year old child. This doesn't make sense. This doesn't make sense. This doesn't make sense. I have this rule that says anyone whose name comes out of the Goblet of Fire competes. The end, that's all. He doesn't explain anything. He doesn't think about it. Yeah. Or in Crouch's position, he should be like, these are the rules, but this is like an exception to the rules. Let's He's actually like, go back and figure something out before we say, hey, this guy needs to participate in this. Because like we said, I think the last episode, sure, it's a magically binding contract. What if Harry doesn't? That is a like specific clause in this contract 
That should be described at this right. point. If he doesn't participate, does he fucking explode? Can't he just go to each task and be like, I'm not doing this. I mean, obviously a 14-year-old boy has a lot of fucking ego he's got to take care of. And I get it. As we get through the next several chapters, we're going to see how much of Harry's ego is wrapped up in this. And that's important. And I get it. Especially after what happened at the World Cup. Someone should be paying more attention to Barty Crouch. Back when from. you say pay attention more to Bagman because he's such a fucking like depressive crouch yes. yeah well you know, just these just, names even though they're fucking different they're like the same I'm the, like, these two bitches the fact that he's just part of these things that he clearly doesn't want to be part of so the other bitch who's here Fuck is snape Ugh. you didn't even let me get it out sorry you immediately had to say fuck that guy i mean everyone knew but yeah even adam's mad about it the other moment where we talked about why is he there is back in book two after they crash your lover. Oh, yes, my lovely friend. And then, yeah, it's Dumbledore and McGuh and Snape. If Flitwick and Sprout are not there, why are you here? Like, you have no reason to be backstage. McGuh makes sense, obviously, since she's his head of house but he's here just to kind of say oh of course he put his name in the goblet fire you should see he prances around here all the time preening and like thinking he owns the place he adds nothing of value the snape arc of the series is just him being a dick him being a dick him being a dick the third book happens and you're like I kind of see, because you hear that Harry's dad and his friends were kind of a dick to him, but also you're a fucking adult. And then he levels then it up this, for the fourth book. He's ridiculous. We've been at school for, what, two months now? Harry's not done anything exceptionally frustrating on his end, other than just being Harry. Harry hasn't been sneaking around at night. He hasn't been sassing back in class. He's literally just living his life. And he, now Snape is like, this thing that doesn't affect me, I'm going to come be an asshole about it. So that he can talk to his buddy Karkaroff right? and validate what he says. Yeah, it's really, really weird. It's getting to the point sometimes where Snape being included in certain conversations is like an author decision to kind of remind us, oh wait, Snape's here. Obviously, when you get to the end of the series and you learn all of the shit about Snape, you're like, oh, clearly Dumbledore wanted him there. In retrospect, was he necessary for any of this? Right, like he doesn't need to be in every single conversation conversation and like Snape you're not Dumbledore's like right hand man Especially or anything Especially when he's either. being a dick. Nothing he's done here has been useful. Yeah. So that is problematic as well. Once he kind of like chimes into there's more bullshit about the rules and how it's the binding contract. I think I already had mentioned this previously but I feel like when Crouch speaks up he should be talking a little bit more through like what that contract entails. Like, do any of the people who enter, do they have to, like, sign something beforehand? Are they able to see the terms of this contract? Maybe their reasoning behind it is that by putting your name in the goblet, you have signed the contract. So, like, when you go to Buffalo Wild Wings and they're like, you have to sign this way. When you eat the atomic wings or whatever. Oh, yeah. So. Or I think it's, like, terms and conditions that nobody reads and you have to check the box. Absolutely. So that's what that is equivalent to. But did they to? even get the opportunity for that? I'm sure. I don't think they do. Like, that's the thing Hogwarts is a mess, guys. That I'm you. like. There are some this. serious issues here. Who is Hogwarts' lawyers? Wizard because... lawyers. Mm -hmm. Who has that job? Yeah, because this world needs them, first of all. <laughs> and 
The other thing that I was gonna say earlier is while Maxime and Igor are like getting all pissy and stuff, they're pretty correct, honestly. Like this isn't looking great for Hogwarts either. They're hosting it. No. And then all of a sudden they get two champions. If Rhea Skeeter was like on the wall as her like bug Patronus, not mm-hmm. bug Patronus, bug Animagus. <laughs> I'm getting confused because we've asked listeners to assign us different things of all different types. All this. the time. If she was on the wall during this conversation, too, and hearing that feedback, like, I could see there easily being an article in the Daily Prophet that's like, Hogwarts rigs the system. Right. That's a whole different So I feel line. like Dumbledore and McGut and perhaps maybe that's why Snape could have been there, is to kind of, like, diffuse the situation a little bit and kind of, like, help things out because they're not looking great either. So they need lawyers. It's a mess. It is such a mess. Luckily, then, Moody slash Bradley Card comes in. He's like, hey, Pops. Hey, guess what, guys? Harry ain't good enough to actually make this happen on his own. You need a confundus charm. <laughs> it makes me think of when, like, Hagrid picks Harry up at the hut on the rock, and he's like, you mean this kid doesn't know anything? And Harry's like, well, I know math. Like, in his yeah. head. Yeah. And Harry's like, well, I'm not a complete Well, idiot. <laughs> forget about that. You don't need math. <laughs> Where we're going, not a concern. You need to know money Still values. not bitter about that. No, not at all. But these are things that I feel like they should have known. I, or again, I already touched on this too, but the fact that it's the Triwizard Tournament, and you did also say, like, what if the cup is used for the cup? The Goblet of Fire. There are too many cups in these. Flamer Cup! If the Flamer Cup was used for, like, other tournaments, maybe it wasn't at, like, a default of three or whatever. But... I mean, I don't know. It's literally just trying to figure that out. But yeah, it's just a mess. This is just a prime example of the fact that no one thought beyond the basics. Which is why when you brought up the thing about Barty Crouch Sr., why did he not go, hmm? Because he's clearly a smart man. He's a senior member of the ministry. Obviously, he's under a lot of stress, which we're not thinking about. That's the big thing. And that's, obviously, we know that's why, but no one's concerned? Yeah, no one's really paying attention to it. I, I wonder if maybe it's because typically he's just wallpaper anyway, especially when Ludo Bagman's fucking saying Well, and it. it's, again, the comparison. But yeah, I feel like he should have been able to step in and be a little bit more voice of reason. Maybe he was just kind of reciting basic information about what the tournament is because he's like staring out the window and it's raining or at least in the movie on that day it's raining and it's very spooky ooky because it's Halloween. Right. And he's just like lost in thought and he's like oh you need me let me like recite my the details of the contract right. the best that I know or whatever it is. I had a thought just now. If this weren't focused so much on the stress of what this is for Harry, I wonder, because I think Harry is more intuitive than we give him credit for, especially when he's with Hermione so much. Especially when he's in divination. (laughs) Also that. But we'll get there. But We really won't. That's not important. Not not yet. (laughs) But we'll we'll get there. See us in a few weeks. Because we spend so much time in his head, I feel like the natural progression of this, if this weren't so stressful for him and the World Cup hadn't been so stressful for him, having lost his wand, that he might have actually caught on to the irregularities and the concern surrounding Barty Crouch. The way that Barty Crouch behaved at the World Cup, his weird dismissal coupled with Winky, coupled with Hermione being like, what the hell, what he knows about Barty Crouch based on Percy and how like straight as an arrow he is, 
And then coming into the Triwizard Tournament, he may have been the person that noticed that Barty Crouch was not Which quite is where he so needed to be. Weird. I like, feel like he would, I mean, obviously, if we could have had Hermione in these moments, bitch would have oh, been like, that makes sense. someone needs to check on this boring ass fucking man because there's something weird that's going on. He's actually kind of intuitive on things like this. Yeah, which is strange that he's the one who has to be the intuitive one to figure it out at the same time. But because he, there's all these adults right. there. But he doesn't, obviously, because yeah, and he's, he's very self-focused in a place yeah. where he should be self-focused. Yeah. This is weird. So then he leaves, and Cedric, on the way out, he's like, so how'd you do it? And he's like, I didn't. And Cedric's like, sure, Jan. And so he goes into the basement. I appreciate that Cedric's reaction was not like, okay, I don't believe you. Yeah. He was just like, okay, because Cedric's a gentleman. Yeah. Yeah, he doesn't believe Harry, but why should he? Yeah. Obviously, we know we should believe Harry, but... Why should he? Yeah, I mean, I I just think differently, and these are all fictional characters as well. I feel like more people should be questioning things, honestly, especially since they're at a school. 10,000% agree with you. Cedric, however, I think is on this side of people who... He's on the better side. If Cedric doesn't believe him, I get it. So you know who's not on that side? The fucking teachers. No. Nope. adult. And Ron. Fucking Violet. Violet is like, yeah, Harry Potter. Violet is like, I heard a thing. Let me tell every portrait in the fucking castle. Everybody in this castle now should know what just happened in that. Oh, they do. Like, because of Violet. Being a painting person is fun. I can eavesdrop on shit. Person. And then I can go visit my friend, the fat lady. The fat lady. And, and we're going to have some drinks. Why does Violet get a name? We don't even know what the bitch looks like, but the fat lady is called the fat lady. Can we talk about that? What is the fat lady's name? Write in, let us know. What's the fat lady's name? Name the fat lady it's like the never-ending story where the empress is like bastion you have to give me a name like give this bitch a name imagine that the empress is the fat lady yes her name is i don't know you tell us uh, yeah you tell us i i got a few options but we'll see we'll we'll crown to be winner. continued yes so violet is up in the fat lady's business he says the password and Violet's <laughs> like, no. like no bitch and <laughs> He's like, shut your ass down and shut the hell up, bitch. This is my job. So then he goes into the common room, and I forgot about this, that the Gryffindors are like, like, yeah. And I was like, okay, Gryffindors, hell yeah. This is such a Gryffindor thing. Well, between the awkwardness at the beginning in the Great Hall and then what I know of Ron, Mm -hmm. this was so nice. And I was like, oh my gosh. They call out Fred, George, Angelina, Katie, and Lee. Lee, Mm mm-hmm. So I was like, oh, that's great. And then, of course, Ron is a fucking bitch. The end of this chapter is interesting. I mean, obviously, we need to end the chapter. Perhaps that's what the author was doing. I was really concerned that Hermione is not there. I was too. Because I, like, unless Hermione was just like, I get my beauty sleep. Hermione's like, I'm going to deal with this in the morning. This has been too fucking much. I told everyone it's just a goddamn tournament. I got elf hats to make. Oh, that's the next book. Hermione snuck in a flask and she was like, I'm hungry. I got... I got some spew badges to make. I don't know. I don't know where Hermione is at the end of this chapter. I forgot that she wasn't around. That is kind of a problem, but the way... That's okay, because Quen going to oh, be amazing Y'all, get ready for the beginning of the next episode, because as frustrating as Ron is in this moment, Hermione makes up for so much of it, and so does Hagrid. It's frustrating that Ron doesn't try to have a conversation. So I'm not going to go to bat for Ron. I don't condone this kind of thing, and I don't think that he's right i understand and hermione does explain it really well in the next chapter but i understand his frustration i just wish that he 
instead of just being an asshole refusing to discuss it if you want to not believe harry he's your best friend can't you just be like what the fuck dude you put your name in the goblet of fire and when harry says i didn't your response should be okay but how did that happen not nah bitch you lying ron refuses to listen to harry who's been for the last hour two hours of his life just trying to be like i didn't do this thing Mm -hmm. No one fucking believes him. It's clear that McGonagall is concerned, so she probably believes him. And it's clear that Moody, obviously, is like, yeah, this fucker didn't do it because he did. And Dumbledore trying to make sense of it. Like I said in my thing. Well, on top of all of that. about it. He should not be so sulky pouty about it. Like, he's just so, oh, my God. You don't have to take end of your classes. You have a chance to win 1,000 yeah. galleons or whatever. 100,000, I don't give a fuck. Hermione sorts this all out and seeing things from either side. Right. Well, like we'll instead, talk about that he could have been like, hey, like, congratulations, but I'm, like, a little bit confused here and a little bit pissed. How the hell did, how did you, you do that? I'm, you I'm upset. I would have wanted to do he's this. He's making no room to listen to Harry. I mean, you touched on that, but, yeah. like, he is doing it in the most self-serving way, too. And in contrast to that, Harry again is in a pretty heightened state of anxiety about all of this. It's really interesting that he listened to this whole spiel that Moody gave about it very dramatically being like, actually, what if they're trying to kill Harry? Which is so funny because that's the whole fucking point. Yeah, he totally shows his card. But it's so out there and it's so not expected. Him saying it doesn't really lead anyone in that direction, obviously. But Harry has this moment when he is responding to Ron when Ron's like, why would someone do that? And Harry thinks it would be too dramatic for him to say, I don't know, to try to kill me. It's so funny that Harry is still in that place sometimes where he's so self-conscious about the idea of someone trying to kill him. He fucking wrote Sirius a note being like, no, I imagined this. To me, this is a moment where I'm just like, that's our Harry. I like how you're like, he's so Harry. And then Hagrid chimes in and be like, bitch, no, he ain't. <laughs> Fuck, Mary kill. Let's do it. Do you know what I'm about to say? No. Okay, this technically happens in the last chapter, but they're all here. Victor, Fleur, and Cedric. Oh, shit. The actual three champions. That's right. Oh, man. I'm going to kill Victor. Okay. I'm going to fuck Fleur and I'm going to marry Cedric. Okay, I understand your Cedric role. Why are you doing that with Victor and Fleur? So, I just don't connect to Victor. Uh I like Victor. I think he's a great character. Obviously, I know the whole fucking series. I think Fleur, even though this is a shitty chapter for her. She a Vila, and you're like, I want to get up in those. What? Yeah, I mean, I would. I want to get up. She's hot. What the hell? I want to crack her creme brulee. (laughs) I was trying to think of something French. I know, and I, yeah. I'm saying she's hot. But also, I actually I want to go know... underneath her Arc de Triomphe. Jesus Christ. But I also know her time. I want to do the story. Eiffel Tower with that bitch. Does Eiffel Tower need three people? It definitely needs three I people. I don't know how sex things work. <laughs> Me either. Well, my answer is similar. I'm marrying Cedric. But I'm fucking Victor. Because I feel like that would be nice. That would be a nice That would, that would be nice. I mean, oh. you have to choose someone. Also, you know? I played Victor in Puffs. So you I did. And I had a very nice staff. So, then first of all, Fleur is a lady. While I do enjoy creme brulee, not hers. But we already talked about this and she, there's a lot of development for her too, but she is kind of a bitch in this chapter. She is. If we're basing it just on this chapter, I'm probably killing her and fucking Victor. Yeah. But if we're basing it on the fact that I know the whole story, I'm gonna flip it. She has a vagine. Time to die. you're, You're like, so that's this. Should I feel concerned for my life? Yes, I kill everybody who has a vagine. That's my new thing. 2020, here we go. <laughs> Killing all the ladies. 
Better watch out. I'm coming for you. That's a joke. Nobody calls the police. I'm not killing ladies. He would have to leave his house for that. And we are trying to be good and not leave. Okay, we're looking at a Destiny right now, <laughs> and like her normal volume Everyone is Everyone turned it off after that because they're fucking dead. Because their eardrums broke. So that's the worst part of this movie. That's the worst part of this series. <laughs> Y'all saw that coming, I hope. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure you heard it too. They, did, I mean, they didn't because they can't hear anything anymore. Exactly. So we have an issue with that. Who would have thought? I do really enjoy the tension of him walking past Dumbledore. I don't enjoy the tension of him walking past Snape because who gives a fuck about him? Yeah, especially because Snape definitely looks more concerned about yes. what happened than Dumbledore. Dumbledore looks pissed. And I'm like, did y'all read the book? Because Snape is like, the fuck is this? Yeah. I'm going to be an asshole about this. McGuzz, the one who's like, oh, Potter, you're no, so nice. She's She's the best. And then they get down in the thing, and the three other... They're just there. They're yeah. just like, what's Fleur going on? in the same boat is Cedric. Yeah, um, Cedric and Fleur and Crom are just kind of chilling. They all look good. Mm -hmm. It yeah. looks good. That room looks great. I love that Madame Maxime, like, fucking Shit, knocks, yeah, I was gonna the, say that knocks the lamp out of her. She's like, the fuck is going on in here? <laughs> Wait, say that one more time. I can't. <laughs> What's the fuck is, the going, fuck on is going on in here? <laughs> Why is this little bitch also in the tribes of I don't understand this. There are now four. Cat. Cat. <laughs> cat. Cat. That means four in French. Yeah, it, is. it also means cat name. I, I knew that much. Yes. There should be two. There's cat. <laughs> I want another one now. Another person. Another <laughs> student in my... Yeah. I do like that. The argument is very short. Because, like, really, Dumble's just like, are you sure? Are you sure? Are you sure? Maga is like, back the fuck up. physically terrifying. He is assaulting a child. Mm-hmm. And then it kind of really quickly goes to Barty Crouch, and he's just like, it's binding, bitch. Sorry about it. Right. Except he, for he does it much less spirited than Adam just did. Yeah. He's I mean, like, he's still not as... It's a binding, magical contract. He's still not contemplating Potter death has like he to is in the book. And unfortunately, we don't get to see any... Oh, well, Moody does come in. Moody's right there. He's yeah. basically there. He just followed like, him in and was like, yo, it ain't Harry, okay? Somebody else did And there's it. a little bit of back and forth between him and Karkaroff that... Basically, is right out of the book. Yeah. Everyone fucking leaves, and then we have this added scene. Uh-huh. Because added scenes make sense in a movie where you cut you out 90% of the book. But anyway, the added scene at least gives us a moment between some fantastic British actors, including Michael Gambon, but he sucks in this movie. He's he, a oh, good actor. Oh, I thought you were going to say he's sucking a thought out his brain. He might also be doing that. Because he's, he's sitting over the basin. He's terrible in this movie, even though I think he's a good actor. And then he fucking has the gall <laughs> after having that fucking freak out to be like, I agree with Severus. Yeah, I don't hate the idea of being able to see the teachers. So this is my assessment of the scene. I really love what Moody's purpose is in the scene where he's just observing what's going on. He doesn't speak until he's given a reason to speak. He's asked a question. I love how McGonagall is very much involved in this doesn't make sense and kind of this back and forth. But it doesn't make sense. Everything comes out of Snape's mouth doesn't make sense. Yeah. And then it comes into that weird moment where you were just saying. I agree with 
I honestly I get it. Only think that they're setting it up to be like, oh hey guys, Snape's in on it, and like what has to happen, and Snape mm-hmm. is just saying, let's see how this plays out because it might be in our favor in the whole scheme right. of things. Well, out of the entire and- series, this is Snape's least important book as far as how he plays a hand in everything and where he fits in the storyline and in the movie he's there because he's snape not because he does anything else like you can't not have snape in the movie so perhaps that's another reason alan rickman is perfect so oh well this movie right now yeah i mean i'm torn on the extra scene I it's think weird it really is it's similar to oh hey let's get barty Crouch jr in there in every moment that we fucking can oh, no. well we, we all we love the Rickman. doctor we love him however it's yeah. not how it works sorry david Tennant. so same thing here like hey we have yeah. alan rickman we have to show him do right. something so and then you have the moment between harry and ron oh so, yes and he is extra sulky and then even is like piss off he sucks in the book but i mean maybe it's a testament to rupert grant he does it really really well although you did also say and you're completely right these aren't 14 year olds no well i i believe that during this movie was when daniel radcliffe was doing equus because we'll get to that in the movie where he is built in the scene where he's in the bath with Myrtle. He looks good. And I'm like, you are not 14. Yeah. But in this scene, I was just noticing how Rupert's arms Ron, yeah, and Ron chest. Is really built. Yeah, Ron is really built. I mean, Rupert Prince a good looking guy. But whatever. Even you know, with that haircut? You know what? I don't love the haircut on him. Tara's got a boner for Ron. I sure do. I, I This is the first time watching it. I noticed that Seamus and Neville are in there in the scene. Oh, yeah. They're just like watching and then, this and like they, The spat. camera panned out and you see the two of them be like, yeah, fuck this. I'm leaving. Yeah. <laughs> and I'd never noticed it before. They're like, we got to find somewhere else to make out. <laughs> well, you know Seamus is going to make out with Dean, not Neville. Well, <laughs> Seamus is cheating. <laughs> Neville's like, oh, yeah. Okay, there are a lot of points. Maybe my most ever. Okay, plus 50 to Harry because the situation he's in, how shocked he is, like this is a big turning point. In comparison to other books, and the conflict in this book is so much different because it is more realistic. The judgment of his peers, all of that. So 15 to Harry, plus 10 for McGonagall for being reasonable and on his side, plus 5 to Dumbledore as well for the same reason, just to lesser standpoint because, of course, it's McGuh. She's always going to kind of be there for him. Plus 5 to Fat Lady, she's She's there, whose name is also blank. Obviously, we won't know by the time we publish this episode because you guys need to give her a surname. And then plus five each to Fred, George, Angelina, Lee, and Kitty Bell. That was like a pleasant surprise to me that he goes back and he is like welcomed in as a hero. You've forgotten about that. I love that. Yes. Negative five to Fleur because she's kind of bitchy. Negative five to Ludo Bagman because this is where he becomes more suspicious for me. Negative 10 for Crouch because I'm like, shouldn't you check? Like, this is the whole reason why you're there. You're supposed to be like the balance to like Ludo Bagman's like jovialness. You should know your shit and you don't really. He a mess. Also, you need to go to the therapist. For uh, real. Wizard therapist. Wizard therapist, wizard lawyers. Come on. Them. 
Negative 10 to Violet because who the fuck are you? Negative 15 to Ron because he's so sad and whiny. He is very moody. Negative No, he's Ron. Not what? moody. Negative 15 also to Michael Gambon. <laughs> For obvious reasons. And negative 20 to Snape because why are you here? It's the same thing as Violet except Violet is not a fuck dick. Well, she might be a fuck dick, but... <laughs> <laughs> we don't know Violet like we know his name. Snape is a fuck dick, okay? That's a lot. I'm not even going to recap it because it'll be yeah. three more seconds. If you want to know, go back and just rewind just a minute. Just press and... that, like, n- rewind 10 second button a few times. And you've got to hear it again. Next time, we're going to discuss chapter 18. The. Oh, the wing of the wand. Oh, uh, I thought we were going to do it every other word. That's oh. okay. Okay, you want to try it? No. The Wang of the Wands. Guess what? That means all of them have to slam their salami on a fucking deli scale. I've been warned about all the dick jokes coming my way. Yep, that's your warning too. So buckle in, buckaroos. (laughs) Dick jokes coming. Dick jokes coming. Dick jokes coming. It sounded like you were about to sing a song. I may have tried, but my brain doesn't work. And now the world premiere of Tara Corkery's new single off her album, (laughs) Potato Salad. (laughs) Dick jokes coming. Dick jokes coming. <laughs> Keep going. Come on. This is going to be our fade out. This is what we do now. <laughs> we had fucking out. Wendy Williams and then we had a little bit of Brian. Now we have dick jokes coming. Dick jokes coming. Dick jokes coming. Dick... I don't know. I got nothing. Lovely. Well, I'm You're sorry lovely. that you all have to be disappointed, but we'll talk to you next time. Someone uh, write that for me because I'm not creative. Bye. Basic Snitches is recorded and produced by Adam Bowers and Tara Corkery. Edited by me, Adam Bowers. And published by me, Tara Corkery, and available wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you for listening. Please review and rate us five stars on your app of choice. And be sure to share us to all of your other friends who love Harry Potter and getting drunk. Oh, don't forget to follow us on social media. Sometimes I update that. Basic Snitches on Instagram. Also, we have a Facebook page. And email us anything you want to or specifically answers to our questions on our segments. BasicSnitches at gmail.com. But don't send us dick pics, please. That's nasty. But do send us liquor. Thanks. Yeah. Alohomora. Oh, now people can get into your house. They're on their toe. But they don't matter because now you're a water goblin. Bye. Bye.